It's our Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory 2020 preview and prediction show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. Double Turn Podcast, we like to talk about, well, almost every company when it comes to professional wrestling, because we're fans at heart, and me being the Impact Wrestling connoisseur from this show, the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast, it's imperative that during this busy week of pro wrestling, in which Jorge and I We'll be covering Hell in a Cell from WWE. That preview and prediction show will also be on the docket. Make sure to check that out on our many platforms, which I will list right now. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can also check out our Instagram page, the Double Turn Podcast. Jorge slaying the game there as usual. Ross the Real Boss 85 the one and only J-Man 19, and you can find me on Twitter at BossRossTDT. Bound for Glory 2020 and is one of the big events for Impact Wrestling as essentially they have really shortened their scheduling when it comes to pay-per-views. Of course, uh, the pandemic going on has affected everybody in every form of life. And of course, in wrestling with the two major promotions, WWE and AEW, they have put up their... Uh, home bases in Orlando and Jacksonville, Florida. Impact Wrestling has been hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee, in which they've been doing all their television and all of their pay-per-views. So this, of course, will take place on October the 24th, which will be on Saturday, in Nashville, Tennessee, at Skyway Studios. It is a pretty important event for them. Of course, uh, all of their shows, because they only do between four and six every year now. Uh, I'd have to actually get a firm confirmation as to how many events they've done this year in 2020. But the reality is that this company, and I've said this before, they have the opposite problem that WWE has, which is WWE has to play the short game all the time because they don't know what tomorrow brings, so they can't really book out pay-per-views six months in advance like they would normally try and do. Whereas Impact Wrestling, they have to play the long game. So even though they have weekly television, they have to play for these big events. So just to give you an idea, 2019, this is of course pre-pandemic, they had Homecoming in January, They had United We Stand in April. They also had Rebellion in April. They had Slammiversary in July. They had their Lucha Invades New York event in September. And they had Bound for Glory in October. 2020, Hard to Kill was in January. And then the pandemic hit. They did not have another pay-per-view until July, which was Slammiversary. And then... uh, And then they're doing Bound for Glory here in October. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't do special events or special editions of Impact that end up being pay-per-view-esque shows. But as for their pay-per-view schedule, they've done two. 
They're going to do Bound for Glory. I don't think they're going to do another pay-per-view until January. I know a lot of people think that we're going to be in a different place with the pandemic come January. I don't think anybody knows. So I think they're only going to have three pay-per-views this year. So at least they're still doing Slammiversary and they're still doing Bound for Glory. They only did three pay-per-views in 2018. They only did two in 2017. Two in 16, two in 15, four in 14, four in 13. So last year they did pay-per-views every month of 2012. So this is not a new thing for Impact Wrestling. They've had a shortened schedule when it comes to their pay-per-views since 2013 when they were still doing Genesis and Lockdown, which I'm going to be honest. I actually wish Impact would just say, okay, Genesis is in January. You still do Slammiversary in, in July. You still do Bound for Glory in October. And then I would still do Lockdown in, like, April. I know it's traditionally been in March, but they've done shows in April. So you do January, April, July, October. That's what I would do. That would be the four I'd pick. Those are those are probably the four legacy pay-per-views for Impact Wrestling. If we really look back at their schedule. I know they've done Final Resolution and they've done some other shows, but those are the four I would pick. I'm getting off base because the point is this is an Impact Wrestling show. We typically talk WWE and AEW on the show. We delve into New Japan. We didn't even talk G1, which upsets me because normally I would actually talk G1 and we'd be talking G1 on our regular shows, but well, these last eight months have been anything but normal. And so with that, you have to change. So we've been doing our TDT's Classic Series. We've been having other podcasts on. It's it's let us explore other opportunities when it comes to what we do on this show. However, this is a week where we're doing pay-per-views. So like I said, we're going to be doing Hell in a Cell, which as of right now, there are five matches announced because they'll probably wait till SmackDown to add eight more I'm being facetious. They'll probably add like three more. Luckily, our preview and predictions, I already gave up like in February. So Jorge's already won the predictions, but it's always fun to just predict stuff. I love these type of shows because it lets us dive into the current product since we don't week to week cover the current product as much as we've used to. So I've just, I've just enjoyed doing these uh, when they come up. So Bound for Glory 2020, again, from Nashville, Tennessee at Skyway Studios. There are presently... Seven matches announced for this card, and uh, I got to tell you, for a Bound for Glory show, this does not feel like a big four pay-per-view. doesn't even feel like a big two pay-per-view. Now, I realize the Impact's got a lot of really good talent. They went through their lull. They're still trying to come up from the fact that they really didn't have a great TV deal for about half a decade, and... Then there was Anthem, and I feel like I go through this every time. The point is, Impact's not dead. It is a second-tier wrestling company, and it gives people a place to work. If you don't want to work for WWE and AEW, and you don't want to work in Japan, you can go work for Impact. You can go work for Ring of Honor. You can go work for a lot of different people and a lot of different companies. You have a place and an opportunity to work. And there's some really good talent and impact. Now, I realize a lot of these guys and gals that we're going to talk about are WWE cast-offs or people that went to WWE and then came back. I understand that. 
Well, they couldn't make it in WWE. That means they must be trash, Ross. No. No. You put some of these people in Impact, it it's amazing how many people are on this show that were treated like, well, let's just say it. Let's, let's just state it. They were treated like second-rate wrestlers, and they're not. And I get it. There's only so many, quote-unquote, spots. I get it. You can't push everybody at the same time. I get it. And by the way, you can be really good and just not get pushed because either the office doesn't see you at that level or the office doesn't think that you're going to match up marketing-wise for them. It's a business. The best people don't always get put in the best situations. That's life. I'm sorry to say that, but it's life. So... Anyway, that's my, I feel like I went on a soapbox. Seven matches, let's just get into it. The Call Your Shot gauntlet match. Yes, Impact or TNA. I feel like every one of these big pay-per-views, they have to have a match in which a bunch of people are just thrown in a match and the winner gets a title shot. That's pretty much what this is. So your Call Your Shot gauntlet match where the winner chooses any championship match of their choice. Who doesn't choose the world title? Like, who wins that match and goes, I'm wrestling for the X Division title? Or I'm wrestling for the tag team titles? Like, maybe if there's a story involved, that makes sense. Which, by the way, there could be a story involved with this. So, you've got Heath, or commonly known as Heath Slater, or Rhino. So, if either one of them win... Heath gets a full-time contract with Impact Wrestling. Now, I realize what you're about to say. Well, isn't that the same gimmick they did in WWE? Yes, it is. It's the exact same gimmick. Because apparently, Heath Slater is not good enough to just get a contract anywhere. So apparently, his gimmick is he has to wrestle to get a job because he can't just make a job based on his own talents. That's that's a great gimmick. Basically, his gimmick is he sucks. That's great. Heath Slater is awesome. Okay, Slate is going Slate. But that's that's the gimmick. So if he or Rhino, if Heath or Rhino win, Heath gets a contract, a full-time contract with Impact Wrestling. If neither of them win, Rhino gets fired. So the gimmick is either Heath gets a contract or Rhino gets fired. So I guess it's either they're both employed or they're both not employed. That makes the most sense to me. Okay. Uh, Hernandez is entering last, and Rhino is entering first. I believe that's because Hernandez won that five-way on the last impact to see who would get the last entry spot. Here are the competitors, and there are a lot of them. AC Romero, Alicia Edwards. Yes, Alicia Edwards is in this match. Cody Deaner. Brian Myers, the uh, the old, um, why is his name escaping me? Kurt Hawkins. Havoc, Heath, Hernandez, Larry D, Rhino, Taya Valkyrie, Tennille Dashwood, Tommy Dreamer, and To Be Determined. So, there's, so yes, there is a mystery opponent in this match. Mystery. Interesting. I don't know. I would say I cared, but I don't. Um, 
there are a lot of stipulations in this match. I don't see why. So basically it comes down to if Rhino's leaving, then there's no sense in Rhino or Heath winning this match because then Rhino just gets fired, which I know what you're saying. Well, being fired in a promotion doesn't matter because they could just bring him back anyway. You're right. Stipulations don't mean anything in wrestling anymore. Of course they don't. John Cena gets fired. He comes back a week later. See, that would have been the tipping point. If you would have fired John Cena, if you would have had the guts to fire John Cena as an angle and then not have him come back for like six months, that would be something. But they didn't have the guts to do it. So I'm going to say that Heath wins the match. And I'm going to say that Rhino either helps him win or lets him win. And then they're going to wrestle for the tag team titles. Which, by the way, if you look at the tag team title scene in Impact Wrestling, it's really good. Like, really good. I know AEW has a pretty good talent roster pool when it comes to their tag teams. I actually think Impact's got a better one. I think as of this moment, Impact Wrestling has the best tag team division in all of pro wrestling. Now, they may not have the best team, but I think they have the best division as a whole. And Heath and Rhino would perfectly slot in. Because realistically, in a tag team division, you need between four and six teams. Realistically, you do. So you have a four-way, and then you add those two. Perfect. And then if you really wanted to go down that route and you wanted to make, like, Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan a tag team, you could do that too. That'd be six. That would work. Even though I don't like two singles guys that used to hate each other coming together, Yes, I will continue to absolutely hate that. But at least you have depth. That's what you need. So I'm going to say Heath wins. And I'm going to say that he and Rhino challenge for the tag team titles. Because it'll work. And they've wrestled together before. And it gives them something to do. And I don't have to see Heath wrestle for the world title. And Rhino wrestling for the world title was a thing like 10 years ago. Maybe even 15. I mean, again, he's a solid hand, but he's not wrestling for world titles. Your chance to put Rhino on the world title passed like 15 years ago. Maybe even 20. But they didn't. So that's my prediction. Heath will win the Call Your Shot gauntlet match, and uh, Rhino will put it in a situation where they have to wrestle for the tag team titles or something. I don't know. We've got Eddie Edwards facing Ken Shamrock. And uh, as I mentioned just a second ago, Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan, who feuded against each other, are somehow friends. Meanwhile, Eddie Edwards was a world champion not that long ago. Like, I'm not kidding. Eddie Edwards was the world champion. The Impact World Champion. Not that long ago. You take a look at the list of Impact World Champions. We see 
that Eddie Edwards won the match in Slam on Slammiversary in July. He was the champion three months ago. Now he's wrestling Ken Shamrock. So, look, as as much as I think Eddie Edwards is a solid hand, I don't know if I see him at that next level. I just don't know if I see it. So, for the sake of argument, I will say Ken Shamrock beats him by shenanigans. I will say Sammy Callahan does something underhanded and helps Ken Shamrock win the match. By the way, two of the last four Impact World Champions are in this match. Sammy Callahan at ringside, Eddie Edwards wrestling Ken Shamrock. And Ken Shamrock was the first ever TNA NWA World Champion that company ever had. That's saying something. So I will say that uh, Eddie Edwards will lose to Ken Shamrock in a match that I'm actually looking forward to quite a bit. EC3, yes, that EC3, is taking on Moose. So EC3, since coming back from WWE, he decided to do some spooky promos and decided he was going to target Moose. Now, Moose had been defending the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, which is not a world title. They didn't do a unification match. He was just walking around with a belt that didn't matter or was not recognized by the company. So, Moose, after defeating Trey on an August 18th edition of Impact, which was called Emergence, following so far, Moose was attacked by EC3, who stole the TNA world title, and then decided to play mind games with him, and then... After weeks and months of promos and potential payoffs, EC3 teased that he was throwing the title off of a bridge and retiring it. And then that was proven to be false. They brawled on a bridge. And Moose got the belt back. Now, for as crazy and out of control as that entire thing I just said was, this is not for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Because much like Booker T's Legends title, at least the initial purpose of it, it's a belt for Moose to walk around with. That's it. Which in itself can be a fun gimmick. Hey guys, I'm the real world champion. Uh, Moose, that's uh, that's not a belt that we recognize. I don't care what you recognize. I'm the world champ. Uh, no. Hey, how about you put me in the ring against the world champ? We'll see who's better. No, we don't care. 
Total heel. Love it. Can we just bring that back? That'd be tremendous. That being said, um, tough match to call. I will say that. Um, I really do think that Moose probably needs a big win like this because he's been wrestling. Well, I mean, he's been wrestling guys like Ken Shamrock, for heaven's sake. Um, But I do think the play is for EC3 to beat him. I do think that's the play. I really do think that this could be something long-term. Maybe they do bring the TNA World Heavyweight title back in as a gimmick. And I think if Moose just beats him, it, it doesn't do anything for the feud. And I think this is one of their many instances where they have to play the long game. And in order to play the long game, you have to have EC3 get one up on the heel so that the heel can come out and be like, okay, you beat me, but like my title wasn't on the line. But your title doesn't matter. I think it matters. It's perfect. So I'll say EC3 beats Moose in hopefully a match that gets like 15 minutes. That'd be tremendous. I'm actually really looking forward to this match. I hope it's not three minutes of shenanigans and BS. One can help. All right, if I pronounce his name wrong, I apologize because, well, I just apologize. Rohit Raju, who is the Impact X Division champion, is defending his title in a six-way intergender scramble match. Yes, because we can't just have a six-way. It has to be a scramble match. So, Raju defeated Chris Bay and TJP on August 18th, Emergence, to win the Impact X Division Championship. On the 15th, Raju, Bay, TJP, and Trey Miguel, I'm sorry, Bay, TJP, and Trey competed in a three-way match. Trey won, and then Raju beat him to retain his X Division title. He then had an open challenge that was answered by Willie Mack, and Raju took a count out. Then Raju wrestled Jordan Grace, who answered another open challenge, but it wasn't for the title. So, and I love Scott Demore. I do. I love Scott Demore. He's actually been a shining light for this company as an on-screen and a behind-the-scenes authority figure. He's tremendous. Why they didn't do this earlier, I have no idea. Why Scott DeMore hasn't been like an on-air presence for any wrestling company in any capacity with steady work for the last decade, I have no idea. Not saying he's Paul Heyman. Not saying he's at that level. But when you talk about on-air presence and on-air manager-esque authority figure-esque characters. Scott Demore's tremendous. He has been for a long time. So, a six-way scramble match, I don't know what the rules are. Much like a lot of different things on a lot of these shows, I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> Which, in a sense, is kind of a problem. So, let's see here. I'm guessing... It's one of those matches, like, 
Remember when WWE had that year where, like, in 2008, they had, like, seven scramble matches where, like, there's a time limit and there's, like, a bazillion pinfalls and a bunch of people win the championship? So I'm guessing, since it's six-way, if they do it the WWE style, you start with two, then you would add one every so often, and then... You get pinfall or submission, and then, so there's a time limit. So whoever scores the pinfall or submission, the last one before the time limit expires, that's who wins the title. So it's like you're playing a Saw game with a title, and whoever survives with the title at the end is the champion. I realize that's a really terrible analogy, but that's the only thing I can think of because you have a time limit. So you're playing patty cake and whoever is holding the actual hot potato, I know I just confused my references again and I don't care. Basically it's hot potato, but you want to be holding the hot potato at the end. If that makes any sense at all. Because they can't just have a six way match for the X division title. I'm sure Raju is a nice fellow. I have a feeling they're, oh gosh, do I really? Well, okay. When Tessa Blanchard left, or I'm sorry, when they rid themselves of Tessa Blanchard because she no-showed a pay-per-view as the world champion, don't let me get into that. Just, just, I'm not going to go down that road. I have a very strong feeling that they just said, okay, Jordan Grace, you get Tessa Blanchard's spot. We may not make you the world champion, but that's the spot we're going to put you. So I'm going to be honest. I think Jordan Grace is winning this match, and I think she's becoming the X Division champion. I truthfully think that's what they're going to do, unless they have some other way of just, I mean, they can't, they can't have there be no finish. It That is one thing I will applaud Impact Wrestling for. They rarely do non-finishes. So I will I will confidently say Jordan Grace, or they're going to have Jordan Grace have the championship and she gets screwed in the last minute. That may happen too with, with, with Raju retaining the title. I'm just going to confidently say Jordan Grace wins and move on with my life. There you go. Diana Perrazzo is defending her Impact Knockouts Championship against Kylie Ray. You may remember both Diana Perrazzo and Kylie Ray because they worked for other promotions before they got here. And then they got here and they were immediately treated like stars. It's amazing how that happens. So uh, let's see here. I believe Kylie Ray won a number one contenders match. She did. She won a gauntlet for the gold match at Slammiversary. That's right. Okay. So that's right because she eliminated Taya Valkyrie, and everybody was a little surprised by that. But then Deanna Perrazzo won, so we weren't going to get Jordan Grace and Taya Valkyrie. We were going to get Deanna Perrazzo and Kylie Ray. So, of course, they've been doing the long-term build of these two being opponents for each other. And as much as I like Kylie Ray, and as much as I do think she's going to be the knockouts champion at some point, I would not take the belt off of Deanna Perrazzo. She is showcasing 
the mistake WWE made for letting her go. Now, I'm not saying she's the most polished athlete in in their women's division. I mean, she may be the best, but the knockouts division's pretty underrated. And you give somebody a chance to succeed with a heel gimmick and let her cut promos and let her interact with some other really talented people on that roster, she's only going to get better. So I will quickly just say that I think Deanna Perrazzo's got a lot more left in this run, and I think they're just going to have her retain the title, and I think this is going to be given time, or at least I hope it's given time. And even if they do a rematch, I'm totally on board for that because Kylie Ray is super talented. Uh, another match I'm very much looking forward to is the four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team titles. The champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, that being Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, are defending against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. You may remember them as the OC. The North, the second best tag team of all of pro wrestling outside of FTR, that being Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, and the makeshift team of Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, which I absolutely love. Because if you're not going to have Ace Austin challenge for the world title, you might as well stick him in a tag team because he's already surpassed the X Division. He just, he just has. He's just that good. And if you're going to break up OVE and you're not going to put Madman Fulton with Sammy Callahan, you might as well put him with somebody else. So they put he and Ace Austin together. They've actually made that work. Like, really well. And both of them are super talented. So, you've got a four-way match that could go in any direction you want. You could have the guns retain. You could have the Good Brothers be the champs. You could have the North regain their titles. Or you could have the Odd Couple be the champions. Fair enough. I thought it was a surprise that they took the belts off the North and gave it to the guns. Uh, I think the Good Brothers are probably due for a win. Uh, I could see the North just getting the titles back. And if they really wanted to go for shock value, they could have the odd couple win. They could. Um, If you have the Good Brothers win, then you immediately have to feud them with one of the heel teams. Let's put it this way. I don't think the guns are retaining. I really don't. I think they're much better. And actually, I would have said this before. They would have been much better not wrestling for the titles and just being around and then eventually building back up in six months and being like, wow, these guys are back. Now let's put them on the titles. Or they could just exist in your division, which is totally fine because, again, you need depth. And that's totally... And, and, and I'd be totally fine with that. So, selfishly, I want the North to be the champions again. Because they're the best. But, somehow, someway, I think a babyface team needs to be the champions. So, who do you make the champions? I think you give the Good Brothers a run. That's who I'm picking to win the match. If the North win, I will be ecstatic. If the odd couple team wins of Fulton and Ace Austin, I'll be a little confused. 
but I think I will actually back it for a change. I think the only way I may be upset is if the guns just retain. And again, I have nothing particularly against the guns. I just don't think they should be the champions. So I will confidently predict the Good Brothers win this match and become the new Impact World Tag Team Champions. But I could also just see the North winning again and just running roughshod like they should be anyway. Like, if the North were the champions going into this match, whoever beats them would get an enormous rub. And they just had the guns have a feel-good win over a team that had been the champions for a year. I just thought it was mistimed. You could have had the North still be the champions, hold the belts for three months longer, and then have a team beat them. That would have been better booking-wise, in my humble opinion. So I will pick the Good Brothers to win this match and become the new Impact World Tag Team Champions. And finally, we have Eric Young defending his Impact World Championship against Rich Swan. Yes, that Rich Swan. Um, I'm here to tell you right now. This has all the makings of a very similar storyline to what they did with Chris Saban. When Chris Saban came back from his two very serious injuries, he became the X Division champion, and then they had that gimmick for a while where the X Division champion could relinquish their X Division title to get a world title shot, and that was during the Bully Ray title run. And Chris Saban won and became the world champion. This is an instance where I don't think they had long-term plans for Eric Young to be the world champion. And I think if your plan was to have Rich Swan be your world champion with everything he's gone through and all the injuries and all the backlash and all just the horrible things that he's either done to himself or that has happened to him injury-wise, it would be a redemption story. And... You put him in the ring with a great worker like Eric Young. You can tell the story of overcoming the odds. And quite simply, I think we're going to have a new Impact World Champion, and it's going to be Rich Swan. And I don't think he's going to hold the title for long. I think you can put him up against a monster heel and squash Rich Swan, but for a short, feel-good story. And by the way, Eric Young's a main eventer in this company. He is. So again... You need depth. So I would have Rich Swan become the new Impact World Champion. Short and sweet. Let's see. Let's uh, let's go over a recap of this show. I'm having Heath win the Call Your Shot gauntlet match in which he and Rhino will challenge for the tag team titles at a later date. Could be on an Impact. Could be at a pay-per-view. You never know but they'll challenge for it. I have Ken Shamrock defeating Eddie Edwards. I have EC3 defeating Moose. I have Jordan Grace becoming the new Impact X Division champion. I have the Good Brothers becoming the new Impact World Tag Team champions. I have Deanna Perrazzo retaining her Knockouts Championship. And I have Rich Swan becoming the new Impact World Champion. That's going to do it for your Bound for Glory 2020 preview and prediction show from Impact Wrestling. Our next show 
Hell in a Cell, Jorge will be joining me for that one as, uh, yeah, what a show that's going to be. My gosh. Pretty sure The Fiend is wrestling T-Bar. That's what you have to look forward to. Again, you can find this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. Again, that's the Double Turn Podcast. And again, we've got lots of great shows coming up, lots of great content, some previewed predictions and some review shows. And then on our Hell in a Cell show, we will break down more of what we are doing in our upcoming shows. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. We will catch you, or I will catch you, on the flip side.